You are listening to Talking Images, the official podcast of icmforum.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Chris, and in today's episode, we are talking about the past and future of the world's most recognizable international super spy and playboy, James Bond. Daniel Craig's reign as Bond has been over for two years now, but no heir has been announced. There are rumors and the bookies are giving odds, but the details about a new film or script are clouded in secrecy and mystery. Who should step into the tuxedo? And yes, we will court some controversy and uh, look at the suggestions of uh, changing uh, Bond's gender and uh, race as well. But uh, just as important, where should the franchise go next? Should they continue the somewhat darker tone that the Craig film set? Bring us back to the more era of silly hijinks? Try to emulate Connery or something else entirely? And on that topic, who actually played Bond best so far? Is it still Connery? Did Craig surpass him? And should any of the four other men even be in that conversation? Oh, and uh, how could I forget? We also have to talk about the 25 films so far and see if we can agree on what the best films of the batch are. And uh, be warned, I already know there are some uh, rather controversial opinions in the mix here. So join us as we talk best Bond, best Bond film, the impact of the final film, No Time to Die, and the future of the franchise. There's a lot to cover here, so let me bring out my secret panel. First up, our very own James Bond superfan, Saul, who has been lobbying for this episode for quite some time. So let me just ask you this directly, Saul. What is it that you love so much about the James Bond franchise? Hi, Chris. Hi, everyone. Uh, just to clarify, I don't think I'd really call myself a superfan of the series. I mean, I've seen all the films except for the last two I've seen three times, and most of them I've seen four times, some of them would have seen five times. However, that's over the course of a lifetime. So, super fan, I don't know, Lauren's written in the chat that that sounds like a super fan, I've seen a lot of them five times, but... Yep, definitely. <laughs> that's a super fan, so you can't deny it. I think you also said that you have quite a few of them as, uh, as films you just consider genuinely great uh, as well, right? Uh, yeah, no, I do. But look, you're a super fan. You can't deny it. A, a lot of what about seeing a lot of times is about growing up with the series. You know, I first saw my first Bond film when I was 10 years old in cinemas. And I just, yeah, ever since I've been getting into film, I've been watching uh, the Bond movies. So the things that I've grown up with, even though, you know, I would have seen the classic Connery ones five times. Yeah, that's five times over a 20 or so year period. So I mean, I guess it averages up to what's every four years, which is a lot. But still, it doesn't seem to me quite a lot as some of the other films that I've seen 10 or 11 times. So it is a lot, but I guess it's not that much. And I guess I am a fan of the series. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone back and rewatched every single film three times. So I guess uh, I am a bit of a fan. I don't know if I'm a super fan, but there are 
All right, regular fan, regular fan. I mean, Adam suggested in the chat that you might be sitting in a tuxedo right now. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I have dressed up in a tuxedo <laughs> just for the podcast. Luckily, the webcams aren't on at the moment. Uh, yeah, so no, look, I, I'm definitely a fan of the series. I think it's got a lot of really good things in it. It's uh, the landmark of action films. It's what you know most action films compare themselves to it's set a model of films uh that have been inspired by from decades since the 60s films came out and everything from the charismatic uh, chief villains the uh, great villain lairs to all the inventive q department gadgetry there's just a heap about them that make the bond film so iconic and i guess there's a reason why i've watched all the films except for the last two three times i've just been constantly drawn back and go through the entire cycle i guess whenever a new bond film comes out all right so yeah even if you might not be an absolute super uh, super fan uh, you have a tuxedo and uh, you've seen them cool a lot of times so you're the biggest fan of all of us i think though i know that my next uh, secret panelist is uh, also the fan even though <laughs> i think uh, i have to have some sympathy for our poor dear adam as well who i know i have been vocally suffering through each of the seven more films over the last few days so um, <laughs> how would you uh, characterize your journey of uh, finally watching all the 25 Ian produced uh, Bond films, Adam, and uh, how did you uh, survive the Roger Moore films back to back like that? Because given your comments over the last few days, I know you're not exactly the biggest fan of that era. It's taken me until the age of 35 to complete the Bond films, which kind of tells you about what I think or my motivation to watch them, I think, because when I was a kid, I bought the box set. Um, which was, I think when I bought the box set, it was before, it was at the start of Craig's era or just before it. And I still didn't watch all the films. So I've always kind of liked the series. I've never liked them enough to watch all the films. So that, yeah, I've, I've had pretty, a pretty mixed experience with Bond. And it took this podcast episode to force me to finally watch everything. And I think for me, Bond kind of works, but when when you watch too many in a row, it gets kind of repetitive, and it, it, I don't think it works that well watching Bond films one after the other. It works better spreading them out a bit, because I just don't think there's enough quality to sort of binge watch a large quantity of the films in a row. So I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship, I guess, with the series. But uh, most of the hate is for uh, Roger Moore, right? No, actually, some of it is for the Daniel Craig film. Some of it's for one of the uh, Brosnan films. I, I like to spread my hate out a bit. It's oh, not just okay, good, good. Yes, okay. I I have um films I like and films I hate from most of them. So it's actually I don't hate the Roger Moore series films. Um, I just I think there's more mediocre ones, maybe, or maybe it's just because he's got more films. But I think there's quite a few weak films in different decades equal opportunity hater very 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 good 
And uh, last but not least of our super secret panel, let's bring in uh, Lorne, who uh, may just be making me look a little bit less as a naysayer in this episode, because I believe she rates essentially every film lower than me. And if uh, you're uh, a Bond super fan like Saul or <laughs> beyond him, you might not like Lorne and myself that much. <laughs> At uh, the end of this episode, but uh, Lauren, uh, and I don't worry, I'll take some of the uh, what heat away from you too by my some of my negative opinions throughout the episode uh, too. But what would your overall assessment of the uh, Bond franchise be? Well, I actually I uh, was just having a look at how many I watched this year, and I watched fifteen of the twenty-five just this year for this podcast, and uh, before that, like. Uh, yeah, most of them were just in the last few years. I've just never really watched many previously. I uh, just found them really boring. And yeah, and like Adam was saying, they're not great to watch all in a row. It's really exhausting. And I just, uh, and for me, like I just found them too samey, especially um, the sort of 70s and 80s. I find them really repetitive, really dull, and Bond's kind of creepy. And, and I like a couple of the films, but overall, they're just like really meh. Ooh, Bond's kind of creepy might just be uh, a possible uh, title for this episode. <laughs> I, I suppose I'll offer uh, offer my overall assessment uh, as well, which is that I partially agree with Saul that it's definitely a benchmark for uh, action films. I mean, at the time the early Bond films uh, came out, you obviously had the Harry Palmer films coming out around the same time, and honestly, I prefer the Harry Palmer films to the early uh, Bond films. That might be a very controversial take. <laughs> Though obviously uh, Bond had a far more everlasting uh, impact. I do agree with Lauren that the series got quite repetitive, especially in the Moore era where there was just a lot of gadgets and silliness. I think I lean more in preference towards the uh, Daniel Craig era where they've changed the formula a little bit, but I think we'll get into that more with the next question, which is who do you guys actually think is the best bomb? So before we do anything else, like, are there anyone here who thinks that Sean Connery is not? The best James Bond. Me. Ooh, okay. I, I might say me as well. I think it's a toss-up between him and Craig. I, anyone else? Uh, no, I don't think Connery is the best Bond, but uh, it's hard to elaborate on him. Just a yes or no answer. Oh, okay. So that's three possible no's. Uh, so are you the only one who thinks uh, Connery is the best Bond here, Adam? Well, I guess I'm kind of biased because I'm Scottish. So, <laughs> but it's not just that. I think Connery had the most, cons- I don't know. Yeah, I think his, his early, the, the Connery films, the best ones, were, were really great as standalone films that didn't rely on being Bond films to kind of um, hold them up. And I think the fact that he was the first Bond makes a difference to how you, how I perceive perceived him. And I think he had a kind of, I think he had more about him than the rest of the Bonds. It doesn't necessarily mean I think he was the best or most accurate portrayal of Bond because, you know, you had like um, Dalton 
and early Craig was supposed to be a bit more accurate in terms of being like Bond. And maybe I would say that Connery was the best actor who portrayed Bond and had the, and the most charismatic one. And I think him at his best was the best of the series, pretty much. But that doesn't mean he was perfect. And I've now spent the entire episode answering this question, so I'm going to shut up. <laughs> well, I, I can go next, because for me, like I said, I, I'm torn between uh, Sean Connery and uh, Daniel Craig. And uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, Sean Connery gets such a boost from just being the first Bond, because he gets to kind of set the benchmark what Bond should be and what they associate with him. And I would say that the charisma he had, he just seemed really, really effortless. He drew attention to himself in a way that none of the other ones really did, except maybe Craig in a different way. I mean, I think why Craig uh, ties him for me is that the portrayal is different. I don't know if we're going into other Bonds at the moment, but for me... Craig had two amazing films, and had he had had, had that kind of high-level quality in his films throughout, then I would be putting Craig better than Connery, or at least level with Connery. But mm. for me, Daniel Craig was like uh, had so much potential, so much promise as Bond, and it wasn't fulfilled. And his weaker films bring down my opinion of him. But mm. certainly Craig at his best... Craig's, the best Craig films are also brilliant as well. Just like, yeah, they're a Skyfall and Casino Royale, you know, they're two of the absolute best. I just think the, the rest of the films let down his time as Bond. Well, I mean, John Connery did the diamonds are forever, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I was saying, I mean, I think Daniel Craig had an intensity that Connery didn't do. And I think Daniel Craig is, I'm not sure if Daniel Craig is a better actor than Sean Connery, that might be a little bit extreme, but I think that Daniel Craig, in the role of Bond, can does more with his acting skills than Connery. I mean, Connery's best roles are not in James Bond, it's in <laughs> his, uh, the, the various dramas he did over the years. Uh, he's been able to bring out some absolutely fantastic performances. I think in the Bond films, uh, Connery really has just the aura and the charisma and the suave attitude, and he just, uh, he just is Bond. But Craig managed to bring in something more vulnerable and dark in a different way. And uh, I think that's why I'm definitely very much drawn to Craig as well. And I do actually partially disagree with you uh, on the Craig film, so we'll get into that in a later point. <laughs> what about uh, you, Lauren? Uh, because you and Saul picked different actors. Uh, who is your pick for uh, Best Bomb? I actually don't know. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been trying to make a decision for like the last week, but but I don't actually know because I I like th- three of them, I, I suppose, but for like really different reasons. See, like uh, Sean Connery, I, I I agree with some of the good things about him as Bond, but his Bond is really rapey, and I just every time he does stuff, I'm just like, oh. And I just can't can't deal with him. And I, yeah, for my favorite though, I'd probably, I'd maybe pick Daniel Craig because I think his Bond uh, kind of sits to the side. Like he's not the front and center. It's like the action and the plot is the main focus, not Bond and his quips and that stuff, which I don't really like. Um, but I, I also liked Brosnan because I actually thought he had the most charisma out of all the Bonds mm. and he was the most like, fun but his films are a mixed bag (laughs) and then i also really like dalton because i thought he was just like 
he had a bit of spice and coming off like Roger Moore, who's just really, really bland. Dalton was just a really nice change. But yeah, ultimately, I'd, I'd probably just pick Craig because he's the least Bond-like of the Bonds. <laughs> but then I also really like parts of Brosnan. So yeah, I don't know. That's sort of my answer. Wow. So everyone except uh, Moore and Lassenby, essentially. <laughs> I don't think, like, Lazenby just didn't get a chance to, like, I don't actually even remember him in in that film. So I just think he didn't get a chance, really, but that's not his fault. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think Lassenby was the one that disappeared most in Bond. I mean, On the Mercy Secret Service is one of my absolute favorite uh, James Bond films. But I think that largely worked uh, because Lassenby kind of took bit of, I'm not going to say backseat, but uh, that film was felt more action-oriented, was more long pants, where he was, he didn't have the charisma of Connery or Brosnan, etc. But he really just worked in that film, and I would have loved to see more of his films. We can, we can talk about all of the actors uh, in a bit more uh, detail, uh, especially Brosnan, who actually agree with you. He had even more charisma than Connery. I, I do actually think that if, like Adam said, that if Craig's films had been better, uh, Craig would have been his favorite. I actually think that if Brosnan films had been better, Brosnan would have had a good shot at being uh, my favorite, or at least uh, rivaling uh, Connery, because if, if you just look at Goldeneye, that's one of the best Bond films for sure. And yeah, and, and <laughs> Brosnan is just so good. It's essentially perfect for Bond in that film. So if the quality had been maintained at that level, like Brosnan would have been in that conversation for sure. What about you, Saul? <laughs> uh, who is your favorite Bond? I might go through the Bond actors briefly chronologically because I actually like all of them to varying degrees. Sean Connery, as I said before, it's a no, but needs a bit more explanation. So he's not the best Bond for me. He would be based on the first three films, um, up to Goldfinger. He was uh, awesome. But as Lauren said, he does actually become very rapey afterwards. I mean, there's no better way of really describing it. You've got, like, Thunderball, and he's got these people who are trying to, like, these young medical female doctors who are trying to, like, work on him. He's putting, like, towels around them and trying to seduce them. And just the last few uh, Connery films, yeah, it gives off, yeah, very creepy vibes, especially rewatched after all the uh, hashtag MeToo stuff. So based on the first three films, I would give it to Connery, but he can't really because he did change as the film goes. films went along. Roger Moore was actually really great in Live and Let Die. Not a particularly amazing film, but his performance in there is just such a change of pace. I actually rewatched that one almost immediately after Diamonds Are Forever and just a change of pace in there and just his deadpan line delivery and the way he just delivers everything is so much less emotional than Connery. And I know that sounds bad, but it's like sort of like a less of a gruff performance and it's just a really nice, refreshing change. And it was pretty good until, I guess, um, it was good up until maybe Spy Who Loved Me. But then beyond that, it, I just feel that Moore's getting really uh, bored with the role and I think Lauren described him as even being a bit bland and I sort of get that feeling with Moore in the later half of his film so I can't give it to Roger Moore I just realised that I have skipped uh, George Lazenby and I agree with uh, Lauren with Lazenby, you can't judge him properly because it's just it's just one film that we're judging him on 
Uh, Dalton, I do really like based on the two films, but it's only really in Licence to Kill that I thought I really got under his skin as Bond. Uh, Living Daylights is more about the spectacle, whereas when he goes rogue in Licence to Kill, that's the only part we really get to know him as Bond. So I can't feel I can judge him really properly with that. Then you get to Pierce Brosnan, who is my favourite Bond actor, uh, but he's the one who I grew up with. So I grew up with him as Bond. Tomorrow Never Dies was the first Bond film I ever saw. It's still a favourite. I still really like Tomorrow Never Dies. And, yeah, he just has so much charisma. He's an amazing actor, even beyond the Bond series. I think about The Matador, The Ghost Rider. Pierce Brosnan is just an amazingly charismatic actor. So he is my favourite Bond. You then get to Daniel Craig. And Daniel Craig, I like a lot as an actor. I loved him in Road to Magician. I loved him in Munich. When I heard him announced as Bond, I thought it was going to be really cool. But like what Lauren has said, he sort of sits to the side in the films. And for me, that actually isn't really a plus. I prefer the more charismatic Bonds like Brosnan or the ones that are able to like drop more witty one-liners in there. So, I mean, yes, he is a more vulnerable Bond. There's a darker side to him, like Chris said. But I actually prefer more of the witty and charming Bond. So, I, I mean, I like all the Bond actors to a degree. But overall, maybe because I grew up with him, Brosnan to me would be the best Bond. Although it's probably also worth saying in the 1967 Casino Royale, David Niven's actually really good in terms of what his character is in there. He's a real gentleman spy. I think that's how he's described in there, the last of the gentleman spies. And he actually does a really good job within the role, considering that it actually is a comedy. So very long answer. If anybody who fast-forwarded through my big take on that, the too long didn't read part of that, is I like them all to different degrees. So yeah, now you have uh, one split vote for me between Connery and Craig. We have uh, Adam going for Connery. We have Lauren going for Craig and Saul going for Brosnan. So that's a uh, so everyone essentially got a pick except Moore, who did the most films, at least in the official series, and lastly, who did the least, <laughs> which is uh, oh, and Dalton, of course. Uh, who uh, sadly gets forgotten. I, I completely agree with you on Dalton, by the way. I think that in The Living Daylights, he just wasn't really there in the same way. But in License to Kill, he really he was just really interesting. And that, that's probably one of my favorite plots in a Bond film as well, even if it, some of the parts are a bit too silly. I just wanted to add that even though I said Connery, is more of a kind of nostalgia and Scottish thing. In terms of what I actually like in the series, I think if... Lauren made a good point earlier, something about how she likes Craig because he's the least liked Bond. And I think something that Lauren and I found when we rewatched the films is, in general, the less liked Bond you get, the more chance we have of liking the films or the characters. So I think Craig in Casino Royale and the Dalton films are probably more the direction I would have liked the Bond films to go in. So Dalton, I just... His films are decent without being amazing and he didn't get a long enough run. But I think I'm more drawn towards that kind of portrayal of Bond. I just don't quite think the films were good enough or as good as some of the other actors' films. So I have a kind of mixed feeling. I don't really have a particularly strong favorite. Um, for me, they all did good films and bad films, apart from Lazenby, because he only did one. But I'm more drawn towards the kind of... I think I like the Dalton films in that because 
I, f- I like the films where they're not womanizing nonstop because I just think that aspect gets quite tiresome. Um, the Dalton films, I think, has less womanizing. The Wazenby films as well. I think I'm more drawn to the ones where Bond's not sleeping with a woman every five minutes. <laughs> but that's not fully Bond, is it? Or do you have something to argue? <laughs> but that, the point is, I think, for me and probably Lauren as well, the, the further you move away from the traditional idea of Bond, the more chance we might actually like it. Because mm-hmm. the traditional idea of Bond, he's actually just a bit of a creepy kind of, a bit of a dick, basically. You know, whereas I feel like Lazenby played him in a different way. Dalton played him in a different way. And I, I prefer that kind of portrayal. Um, and yeah, Dal- Saul was mentioning Dalton. I, I think Dalton films are decent. Yeah, in terms of Bond, I think they're decent films. They're two of the better ones. But I don't think they're incredible films. And if they were standalone films, I don't think they'd be amazing. But I would have them in the top in the top 10 Bond films. So I, I like them, but I don't think they're like um, amazing or anything. And if they weren't Bond, I don't, I don't think I'd think I'd maybe 7 out of 10 or something like that, you know? Yeah, that, that sounds about uh, right for uh, me too. And I, I, I might uh, be inclined to agree with you too that uh, the further it takes us from the original Bond, um, the more I might be inclined to like them. But I'm not 100% sure. And uh, let's see where the franchise goes in the future as well. But uh, to flip the tables then and discuss the worst Bond, just, just to check, is, is there anyone here who does not think that Roger Moore is the worst Bond. Yeah, look, uh, as I mentioned before, I do like all of them to different degrees. Uh, it's hard to judge because Moore just had so many films there, and in the 80s films, uh, yes, he got a little bit, seemed a little bit bored with it and not so much into it, but I did really like him in the earlier 70s films that he did, so I don't know. I mean, like I said before, with what, you guys were saying about how Craig is so removed from what the traditional Bond is like, is more vulnerable. It's more of a plot surrounding him than being about him. So I, I tend to think maybe Craig would be my least favourite, just because oh, it wow. just determines what the actor is. Not in terms of the films themselves, because two of his films are among the 10 best Bond films. So not about the films themselves, but just as how much he's bringing to the role. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see much of it in there. But look, it, it's hard because I do like Roger Moore a lot as an actor. He's done a, a lot of good films outside the Bond series, which he doesn't always get credit for. So I don't know. I mean, I can't really choose a least favourite. So, I mean, if I did, it might be more, but it might just be Craig because he's so out of it in terms of being about what Bond is about in terms of a traditional sense. All right, so that was a very controversial take yeah, I wasn't expecting, but yeah, so so it might not be more for Saul, uh, but uh, is more the worst Bond uh, for the rest of you? I think it's hard to compare because he did the most films, and I think what you generally see, in my opinion, is the longer someone does Bond, the more chance of them doing sort of, of weak films in, in my opinion, every single, apart from Lazenby and Dalton, because, you know, they only did one or two. In my opinion, every single Bond kind of their last film or two were the weakest in general. So I think Roger Moore suffers from having done seven films compared to others who have only done, you know, most of the, everyone else has done less than him. So I, I although I, I struggled to get through all the 
Mirror films because I watched them all in a row. I don't think he's terrible. I think his films are, some of the films are decent. Some of the films are pretty weak. I'd maybe put him as the worst in terms of he did the most weak films. I think he did the most weak films because he did the most films. So it's, um, he had something about him. Like he, he had something about his character. I just think that it went on far too long. I think if he'd only done four or five films, I'd have a slightly more positive opinion of him. And how, how do you compare someone who did seven films to someone who did one or two or even four? Um, I think if Brosnan had done, if Brosnan had done seven, if he continued like dying every day and he'd done seven, I think Brosnan would be the worst, even though, <laughs> you know, like GoldenEye is one of the best, but Brosnan's films, you know, if he'd done seven, would he have had more great films? I don't really think so. So no, very unlikely. I would argue other than Lizenby and Dalton, they all did too many films and all of their last films brought them down. But Moore just did seven, which was far too many. And had he done four, I think he would be a pretty good bond. What do you think, Lauren? Uh, well, I, I agree with Adam um, for most of that. I, like, I'd probably choose like Lazenby as the worst, but again, it's like he only did one. It's just he didn't make any impression on me whatsoever. So it's, he's just sort of nothing. Well, he's still alive, you know. We shouldn't call him nothing. <laughs> in in the James Bond series, uh, well, I don't really remember that film. It's actually my second least favorite Bond film. I, I just don't remember. Like he just his bond didn't make an impression on me, so as a worst bond, I'd probably pick him. Um, but I also agree with Adam that like if if Moore had just done like four films, he probably because it was just like I can't remember how many he did was was did he say did Adam say seven? It's like um in a row, and I think like the same director for the most part, like all those films feel the same. Bond just gets like older and more like well, more gets older. And also gets more bored of the character, and so it's just like, why are you still here, dude? You're like not, <laughs> you're not doing Bond anymore. So yeah, I mean, more and Lazenby would be like the worst ones, but I don't, I don't think more was terrible. It was just too much of the same thing. I also think that essentially all of War's films are amongst the weakest in the series. I mean, I haven't. There's some of them like if I loved me, I might probably not. But I, I didn't rewatch that one for this episode. I, I used to really like uh, Live and Let uh, Die, but that went down on me when I rewatched it yesterday. <laughs> Largely due to that uh, absolutely horrible sheriff, though, uh, not the more himself, which we can discuss <laughs> a little bit later. But uh, yeah, Moore started off as a rather good bond. I mean, in the early scenes in Live and Let Die, he actually looks younger than Connery somehow, even though he's older. I mean, I think that's the only time they actually uh, replaced Bond with an older actor. <laughs> and it worked. It worked for a while. I think that for more, a part of the problem was the material he had. He is blander than uh, the rest. Maybe not Lazenby, but Lazenby had better material to work with, so I'm not going to hold it against him. And I think that Adam might be right that the fact that he went on for so long, he was in his late 50s at the end, and you know, he just looked so old. I I think it's in uh, I View to Kill, where he's at the Derby with uh, some of his old friends. He just looks like, you know, a, a retiree uh, hanging out with uh, with some ex colleagues, he just he looks 
so horribly old. It doesn't feel like Bond at all. And not in the Daniel Craig way. It just feels odd. Especially, you know, when he's, uh, you know, sleeping with women whose mothers are younger than him. <laughs> Which is a real story that horrified him uh, completely. But, but, uh, but yeah, it's more, I agree with you. He went on for too long and it got worse and worse and worse. And by the end, it's just, I, I just didn't get why he was there anymore either. I think one thing we talked about, especially Adam and I, uh, in preparation this episode, is just all of the lost chances. I know you don't like Lazenby, uh, Lauren, but we, we just imagine if Lazenby had continued. I mean, he had a five movie deal. He was going to do a direct follow up to Unimagined Secret Service, which was going to be this really dark revenge thriller where he seeks revenge uh, for his wife. Instead, we got Diamonds Are Forever <laughs> with Connery coming back. I, I mean, I'm just. Like, if they had just never gotten more, if Sean Connery hadn't come back for them as well forever, if they had just followed Lesnby for a few more films, I think the franchise would have been much better. Or just even if they had come back for that one Dark Revenge tr- thriller, I-, I think that would have the potential to be one of the best. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think um, Chris has already said it, but the biggest thing for me that was missing in the entire series was... You know, you had On Her Majesty's Secret Service. You had, obviously, the ending to that. And it was perfectly set up for Lazenby to come back for another film, like a revenge film. And it could have had so much meaning, so much emotion. And I think it would have been, if Lazenby had got even two films, one of them is a revenge film, I think it would have been a brilliant... I think there was a lot, there was a real missed opportunity from Lazenby not getting that second one. It's one of the reasons for me, Diamonds Are Forever is one of the biggest letdowns because you had this incredibly profound kind of moment in Under Majesty's Secret Service and suddenly it's, here's this ridiculously jokey, stupid kind of jokey film. And not just that, like a jokey revenge as well. Like I think the opener yeah. of Forever is the worst one because you have all of these yes. freeze frames where he's just, where is Blofeld? Where is Blofeld? And he just pushes people places. And it's just like, is this the follow-up? What, what is this, you know? And, my, I mean, and I think what happened, I mean, I could be wrong. I kind of think what happened is there was a negative reaction to Connery leaving and Lazenby coming in. And I kind of feel like, they did on a Majesty's Secret Service and then sort of pretended it never happened and just went, got Connery back and just sort of brushed off the events of on a Majesty's Secret Service in a few minutes and moved on to a kind of jokey film. I also, the other thing I, the other thing I wish is, I wish Dalton had got another film. I mean, at the same time, I wish Dalton had got another film, but it wasn't Goldeneye and Brosnan had continued mm. with Goldeneye because that's one of the best. But I yeah. wish Brosnan had got another film. Because I think there was all these like legal battles or something with the Bond franchise, and eventually I think he quit because it was taking so it was it took years for them to make another Bond. But I think Dalton getting another film would have been really cool. Um, at the same time, I think there's some kind of appeal to Lazenby only having one, Dalton only having two, because you always kind of hold them up. You always think the quality they had in those films would have continued. And had had Lazenby or Dalton done five, we'd probably be here saying, oh, you know, they should have stopped after X number of films. And yeah, so yeah, yeah, there's yeah. always, I think there's something in the Bond series, there's something, there's something good about Lazenby only doing one because it makes him unique and it makes you kind of wonder where you could have gone. And in reality, had they stayed for a few films, you know, they probably would have made a couple of good ones and a couple of mediocre ones. So... 
but yeah, for me, Les and B doing a revenge film was the biggest thing that we missed out on. Dalton doing a third film would have been great. Certainly, Conway shouldn't have come back. Murr should have stopped earlier than he did. But yeah, there that's the biggest thing for me in terms of what we could have changed. But ultimately, for me, I think you'd have to remove a good five or ten Bond films to make the series better. So I think, in general, there's just a bit too many mediocre ones. Oh, oh and in terms of uh, things that could have been changed <laughs> for the better, I mean, uh, before Ian bought the films, I mean, Ian Fleming was trying to court Richard Burton to play uh, Bond and to get Alfred Hitchcock to direct. Uh, Hitch turned it down because he was uh, going to do Psycho. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, I would prefer he should do Psycho to the, to Bond, but uh, like the idea of uh, Hitchcock doing Bond with Richard Burton, I think that probably would have been the best film of the series, obviously, no doubt. Interestingly, I mildly disagree with Adam about whether it would be good to have a second Lazenby film that's all about revenge. I guess it'll depend how it was done. I mean, On His Majesty's Secret Service is definitely, to me, one of the top five best Bond films. But what worries me, and I think we're going to get to it a little bit later on with worst Bond films, is that I absolutely hated Quantum of Solace. And that one is a revenge-themed sequel to, again, one of the great Bond films. So I sort of feel that if we did Mm. get a sequel to On Majesty's Secret Service, it would probably be a disappointment like that. So I'm kind of happy with the Lazy B <laughs> venture just being a standalone one by itself. But on the same account, it is a bit weird how the whole wife thing isn't actually brought up until very late into the more span of films. And I know that the second time round when I was going through the series and I watched Diamonds Are Forever straight after on a major secret service i didn't like it too much and then when i rewatched it earlier this year when i watched it for a third time i actually gave myself i think five or six weeks in between the two films and i actually really liked diamonds are forever because i was viewing it more on its own terms rather than as a film that's coming straight after this really great unique very different sort of bond film so i don't mind it being in there it's not the strongest uh connery film it's not the weakest connery film either but, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I would have liked more Lazerby films, but I don't know if a revenge movie would have really been that great, knowing what happened with Quantum of Solace. That's such a good point. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on the writing and who they go to direct, etc. So we never really know. I mean, I, I do think that... I mean, we know that the villain would have been Blofeld, so... <laughs> I mean, that's already uh, a step up from whatever the hell Matthew Americk was in uh, Quantum of Solace. <laughs> but uh, to to move on to the uh, actual films and uh, stop speculating on what could have been uh, and to also flip it over to something more positive uh, what would you guys say the best Bond films are like what are your top five Bond films uh, top five Bond films it's good to be able to give out that many because towards the top it is very hard for me to judge but I have got a ranked list on Letterboxd because I decided after re-watching the series earlier this year, getting through it all, I'll try and put them in order. So in fifth spot, I've got On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is just a great unconventional take on Bond with a very memorable ending and 
for anybody who's listened to the quiz episode, a slightly less memorable music score. In fourth spot, I've got From Russia With Love, which is just one of those great Connery classics. And then for my top three, it's really hard to decide. So look, I have ranked them at the moment as Golden Eye number one, Goldfinger number two, and Sky Four number three. But for me, that's really interchangeable. And the more I've been thinking about it, the more I'm thinking Skyfall actually might be the very best Bond film. It's one that just keeps improving for me massively on every single way. Right, just keeps going up and up more in my esteem. Whereas Goldfinger, I guess, has always been like the benchmark. So for that one, it's always really been high up there for me. And it's an almost perfect film. There's just one character change of heart in there, which I don't like, but it's got the best villains in there, the best theme song. There's so much going in its favour. And then you've got Golden Eye, which is just uh, the classic for England, James. Amazing um, Sean Bean performance in there. Uh, just amazing story overall and just a great new new kickstart for Bond. Uh, Skyfall, Goldfinger, Golden Eye for me are all 9 out of 10 films. So for me, they're in my top three, no matter which way you want to uh, present it. And for me, just outside the top three, I've got From Russia With Love and Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Okay, um, so I'll do it in uh, reverse order. Like, so, so I only really like two James Bond films. Ooh. And I, I would say, like, I, I mean, I still, I, I like a few others, but I would only really, if someone asked me what my favorite were, I'd probably only list the top two. So the other three in my top five, I do like quite a bit, but they're not solid anyway my fifth is the world is not enough i just thought it was really fun and didn't like the bond girls but i never do <laughs> why is everyone shocked <laughs> it's generally thought of as one of the lesser ones let's say can i just can i just say i am stunned stunned that lauren has a, a very very different opinion from the rest of us <laughs> I, I i assumed lauren would just go for the normal top five but no She's got The World Is Not Enough, she's got Moonraker, she's got uh, Dying of Her Day, you know? <laughs> yeah, she's got, the best one is going to be A View to, to a Kill, I guess. Wait a minute, it's Never Say Never Again, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen or, it, but... Or yeah, the original Justin Real, the, the parody one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue, Lauren. <laughs> okay, Um. yeah, I just found that one, like, fun, uh, but I also... Coming off the more films, which I found really boring, I found just like, all the 90s films really refreshing. And The World Is Not Enough, I just, uh, I don't know, I just enjoyed it. And my fourth is Live and Let Die. I thought it was just, just really like quirky and out there and just it had like some style and the cool like atmosphere to it and none of the older Bonds really had that. Yeah, I just thought it was, uh, again, it was just fun and something different. Um, my third is The Living Daylights. Um, and I liked it because, again, coming off the bo- the more films, I just call them the bore films. It was like more of a generic kind of spy action movie, but I liked that because I don't like whatever the Bond formula is. So, yeah, I, again, I just like, even though it was sort of a generic spy plot, it was just cool and Dalton was cool. Um, so now I get a little bit more typical choices. <laughs> So number two for me would be Skyfall. Originally, I had this lower in my top 10, but I, I rewatched it like last week and I actually thought it was like really, really good. And again, it's like an atypical sort of Bond film. There's not really a Bond girl. There's no like romance threaded throughout. It's just like 
you know, a character-driven action thing, um, and it's really fun. And number one is Casino Royale. This was one of the first Bond films I saw, and I liked it then, and I still think it's the best. And again, it's just like it, it really... Like the 90s films were fresh from the more films and then Casino Royale comes along and it's just completely different to like everything before that. And again, I don't like the generic Bond formula. So yeah, I really felt that just like that uh, Daniel Craig sitting aside as Bond, just keeping him like, there. He doesn't, it doesn't even feel like Bond. It doesn't feel like a Bond film and it's just a really focused, tight action film. And it's pretty good and probably has the best Bond girl as well, which usually is what drags down all the films for me. So yeah, that's my answer. Okay, I'm not I'm not sure on the order at all, but I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and I'm gonna say a top six because I think there's six that are easily above the rest. So I would have number six, Skyfall. Yeah, Skyfall's brilliant, great villain, great story. Then number five from Russia with Love. Uh number four, Casino Royale. Yeah, it brought some kind of like Lauren said. It brings something incredibly different to the series after after Brosnan's films kind of faded in like a pretty bad direction. Suddenly, getting Casino Royale, totally different type of film. I thought it was amazing and an amazing reboot to the series. Uh, for much of a love, I don't know what to say. I just think it's a very good film. I think it works without being Bond. It's just a good standalone film. Uh, number three would be Goldeneye. For whatever I think of the Brosnan films, GoldenEye was just incredible. And, you know, I used to always, I think it's elevated by the fact that it had like the best video game ever. You know, the N64 game was amazing. And then, but I think that film, like GoldenEye is just so much fun and so kind of, it brings all the good parts of Bond and like Brosnan has so much charisma. It was, yeah, great film. Number two. I would say On Her Majesty's Secret Service. I think I like that one a lot because it's just a, a bit less Bondy than most of the films. And, you know, you've got a kind of romance, you've got a marriage. It's just a very different feel. I think it's got, it's got weak parts to it. It maybe goes on a bit too long, but I think it, yeah, I've always thought it was great. But in the, in the recent quiz episode, I, I was really disappointed because nobody, the, there was a question with the music for Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and nobody knew what it was. But for me, it's the best music in the whole in the whole series, which elevates it even further. And then at number one, Goldfinger. Again, I'd have to rewatch these this, these specific films to sort of change the order a little bit. But Goldfinger, I mean, amazing theme tune, great film as well. So for me, a hundred percent, it's those top six. It's just the order of them could easily change. But for me, they're all easily above anything else in the series and wow yeah now i feel bad okay like honor majesty service might be number one so but so is making me like feel very guilty <laughs> not choosing it wow. so if 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 george lazenby is listening to this okay which is is he still alive right he's still alive yes, he's 83 okay if, if george lazenby is listening then honor majesty service is number one okay <laughs> very good <laughs> I, I without rewatching it, I'm not sure, but yes, fine, ladies and George, I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, after I've done this, I think we should give Soul a number six choice because he was quite upset that I got to choose. Wait a minute, he wants he wants seven. All right, wait. So oh, do you want? No. So, so like okay, like, I I know what we need. So do you want a top twenty five? Okay, 
I can read them out. So I I can uh, see that soul shit. No, no, let, let's talk to it. Let's talk to it. I got my time. I got my moment with the number six. Okay, so, okay. so give us your top ten, okay? Top ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Well, I, I can if you guys want me to, but it's not going to be um. Like most of it, except for one pick, is probably pretty conventional. So n- number six, I've got Casino Royale, which is definitely a great film, but I'm very partial to the original, which is maybe why I don't like as much as most people. Uh, number seven, I've got License to Kill, great Dalton film. Number eight, Tomorrow Never Days, incredibly underrated. Our first Bond film I ever saw, and I still think it's brilliant. Uh, number nine, I've got The Spy Who Loved Me, the only borderline great Roger Moore film and number ten, I've got Living Daylights, the other Dalton film. All right, all right, yeah, I, I didn't rewatch uh, Tomorrow Never Dies for this episode. That might have been interesting. I mean, up until the Craig films, I would actually have listed On the Secret Service as my favorite, uh, and it would have been my third until recently. But now it's with some rewatches, things have been shaking up a little bit. So uh, if I'm I'm going to do a top six as well, like Adam. I'm going to start with a tied uh, number five, where I would put the Goldfinger and From Russia with Love. These are both films that could have been great. They have they have so many really good moments in them, lots of great side characters, etc. But there's just these tiny little things that pull them down a little bit for me. And I also for Goldfinger, I mean, it, it, it's such a good film, but George Robert is not as scary. It's, it feels like he should have been in more of a uh, more of a comedy, but but he worked, and it's it's just it's one of the best Bond films, regardless. My number four is on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, I feel a bit bad about putting it th- that low because there's just so many great moments in that film, and the action is strong. So many things work. As with most bonds, the romance leading to marriage was the one thing that was off there for me. Uh, it didn't fully fit, though the ending still hit hits well. My number three is uh, Goldeneye. I agree with pretty much everything you guys have said before. Sean Bean is a great villain. Uh, here is just pulled just below greatness for me in part just because of uh, Thamke Hansen's Xenia, uh, which just feels like she should have been in uh, the Roger Moore series. She's just a bit too exaggerated and silly. Pretty much everything else, including Alan Cummings' uh, comic relief character, worked for me. It's just such a polished, great film. I mean, they, they have scenes, like, it's, it's so impressive. They have scenes in uh, Goldeneye, which would just have been, uh, just have been rolling my eyes at in the Moore se- series, like where he's found uh, in a car chase with a tank, and he drives under a statue, and for a while he drives a tank with a horse with wings on top of it. <laughs> and it's, and it's, uh, it, it's genuinely awesome. So, uh, Full on credit uh, to Goldeneye. Uh, and also, it's worth noting that it's directed by Martin Campbell, who also did uh, Casino Royale. So, uh, that's definitely a great choice for a director for the franchise. For my number two, I was struggling a bit with which one to pick, but I'm going with Skyfall for my number two. Like Adam said, fantastic uh, villain with Javier Bardem. I think Judy Dench is phenomenal in it. She steals the show from Daniel Craig, to be honest. And yeah, it's just such an emotional film. I think the entire final act of Skyfall, where they go back to his ancestral home and they have this much darker shootout. It's emotional. It's eerie. It's just, it goes places that no other Bond film ever has. 
it's also a good point that it doesn't really have a Bond girl, but it has one, the henchwoman that Bond flirts with and kind of seduces, but like that's that's done by the halfway point. It's just a very different direction for Bond, and it worked so well delivering on emotions, something that Bond generally struggled with, at least until Daniel Craig. And then my number one has to be Casino Royale. Uh, again, Craig delivering something that was never really seen before in the franchise. Eva Green is definitely one of the very best Bond girls in a romance, I can believe, far more than any of the others. Uh, Matt Mickelson is yeah, one of the very best villains. He's so airy and uh, the plot structure uh, keeps you on your toes. It, it's just, it just does so much right. Unlike so many of the other uh, Bond films, which are just all about action and silliness, like all of that's largely removed. And in, in Casino Royale, it's a huge portion of it is, you know, playing cards and suspense. Uh, and uh, Craig handles it so, so well. So uh, Casino Royale, it reset the franchise and it did it just with fantastic science. And if there's uh, no comments on any of these, I think we can flip it over to the worst. Bonds, then. And we don't necessarily have to do a bottom five. Um, just shout out, guys. Just what is the worst Bond film is in your mind? Is there one that is miles below everything else? You can also mention more, and feel free to also mention uh, which disappointed you the most if you just had really high hope. As mentioned earlier in the episode, I do think that Quantum of Solace is miles below the rest. I mean, yes, Die Another Day isn't a great film. Moonraker isn't a great film. A View to a Kill isn't a great film, but, you know, at least those ones tried to be a little bit goofy and tried to be a bit interesting. For me, Quantum of Solace was just a very bland revenge tale that didn't even really feel like its own film. It felt like an extension of the earlier movie. It didn't really get to its own groove or anything. And it was the shortest, and it also felt the most rushed to me. So that one is by far the worst for me. Other people will probably mention Moonraker, A View to a Kill, and Dine of the Day, so I probably don't need to say what's bad about those ones. <laughs> yeah, also, my bottom five is uh, Thunderball. I did like it a bit more this time around, but all those long underwater scenes, and also it's the one where Connery gets the most uh, rapey. Uh, yeah, so for me, that rounds up my bottom five on films. So my bottom ones, I mean, Dine of the Day, just the biggest pile of crap ever. I mean, <laughs> it's the the worst lines. I mean, the lines are just so terrible. And, and then the the special effects, I mean, atrocious. Yeah, pretty much every... I mean, I think, yeah, pretty much everything about the film is absolute crap. And if if anyone like Saul was going to defend it, well, they're wrong. So, um, yeah. Well, Saul is the one of his worst as well. Also, all the worst songs. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a real it's a very strange song for a Bond film. It's kind of catchy, but that doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, <laughs> I think my second worst is like, wow, well, maybe this is controversial considering what people think of it. But Spectre, I really hate Spectre because you know they bring back Blofeld, they bring back Spectre, and they completely waste the opportunity. Like it's been decades since they've used Blofeld, and it could have been amazing. And it's like. It's like they've got the rights for it, so let's just shove it in and pretend that every single Daniel Craig film has been about Spectre and Blofeld. It and it, it just kind of ruins what's come before it, and I just think it's that like Blofeld's terrible in it. Oh, and the romance, yeah, it's the worst romance in the whole series. It's like 
he meets this woman five minutes later. Oh yeah, he's in love with her without any character development whatsoever. So I actually like it makes me quite annoyed thinking about Spectre because it, it totally damaged what, the whole kind of Daniel Craig era, and it damaged you know it, it just damaged a lot of stuff. So yeah, I hated that. And then I mean, a view to a view to a kill would be down there with the weakest. And kind of like I think Lauren said it, but by the end of watching the Roger Moore films, they all started to blend into one. So it's hard. But I think the later I would put um I'd put the later Roger Moore films in the weakest alongside Spectre and uh, Die Another Day. I'd also say I mean I w- this is not my bottom five, but No Time to Die kind of annoyed me as well. The world is not enough is weak. Quantum Solace is weak. I think No Time to Die is weak and takes Bond in a weird direction. But um, yeah, Die Never Day Spectre of You to Kill are probably the bottom three. And then you can chuck in some more Roger Moore films, maybe one of the Brosnan. Yeah. And- I, I mean, I actually like Spectre and uh, No Time to Die. They're not, I mean, they're not great, obviously. And uh, the writing in uh, Spectre in particular, there's some really ridiculous stuff there. Like, I agree with you, the romance just doesn't work at all. They managed to get Christoph Waltz as Blofeld. That's one of the best actors that's been in the franchise. Uh, he's done you know, phenomenal work as villains before, uh, as villains that would really fit into the Bond franchise as a whole. He plays it in the most boring way imaginable. So, so I, just, I just don't get what they did there. But like when you have... Like the Roger Moore films, I, I cannot put it as one of the worst. <laughs> that, that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> it suffers by being a Bond film because it might have worked better as a completely different sort of series, as, as a standalone film, but it just does it does a lot of damage to the continuity of the films and it, the whole kind of claim that the whole all of the Craig era has been about Spectre. It just... Um, no, I'm just going to say I, I actually disagree with that because I think it fits. I mean, they pretty much added Quantum. I mean, yes, Quantum of Solace is one of the worst films. <laughs> uh, but they added Quantum, the Quantum Organization specifically as a kind of a replacement for Spectre so that Quantum is like another name for Spectre or a subsection of Spectre. That that, that kind of fits because Quantum was obviously behind Casino Royale and uh, the second film. So the only thing that really feels slightly out of place would be the... Silva move in Skyfall that he was involved with them because that was just such a personal uh, vendetta. So what about you, Lauren? What's uh, your least favorite? Um, well, my answer is what Adam has been waiting for this whole time. I actually, well, my, I feel like my bottom 10 are probably like all my least favorites because they're just the ones that bored me the most. I don't hate any of them, but there's some that just, I just wanted to end. Um, so my least favorite is Moonraker. I, I did like some of the moon stuff, but I just, again, like it was the most boring to me. I just really didn't get into it. And I also just remember not liking more much in it either. My second least favorite is on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I just, I really hated the marriage stuff. I, I just, I never liked the romance in any Bond film. Uh, and the fact that he got married just, didn't like it was just dumb didn't convince me i guess like i liked elements of this one but the ending was the worst thing i've ever uh seen which was uh no time to die um the ending just really brought it down for me and like what adam was saying what he didn't like about specter i didn't really like about no time to die because it made it more like 
and it kind of made it more serious and important uh, to his character when I didn't think it was. And yeah, the ending was just so awful. And that bringing back a Bond girl who sucked and had a really unconvincing romance. I don't know what they were thinking. I might just quickly jump in on Moonraker because it is definitely one of the least uh, great uh, Bond films, definitely of the classic era. It's uh, the weakest. What Lawrence said about it is mostly true. The space scenes are more interesting than everything else in it. But the other thing which is interesting about Moonraker is it's mostly a comedy. It's about 75% goofy comedy, about 25% serious drama. I think they got such a knee-jerk reaction and then you had For Your Eyes Only immediately afterwards, which has got almost rid of all the comedy altogether. It's like the more films became slightly more comedic with every venture from Live and Let Die all the way up to Moonraker. They started introducing more and more comedy. But with all these pigeon double takes and goofy reaction shots, by far Moonraker is the most comical of and, yeah, so that for me didn't really work, even though I'm partial to the 67 version of Casino Royale. Just all the comedy in Moonraker does bring it down. Anyway, what about you, Chris? What are your weakest Bond films? My least favorite Bond is actually relatively undisputed. For me, I have one that's below everything else. I mean, if you include the Casino Royale parody, that would be my least favorite, which I wish also can disagree with, but I'm not going to. So my least favorite is A View to a Kill, which is a film that had the worst Bond girls, was too over the top, more looked so old in it, it just was ridiculous, it didn't feel like Bond in the worst possible way, he just felt like an elderly gentleman. <laughs> it was just utterly, utterly terrible. And it is the only Bond film that I've, I, I would, like, that's that subpar. I mean, the rest are silly, there are several weak ones, but uh, that's the one that's below everything else. I mean, Quantum of Solace is down there for sure. It, I don't, it's not awful, but it's just so bland in every way. And it's probably my biggest letdown. If I was alive in the 70s, Diamonds Are Forever might have been my uh, biggest letdown after Other Magic Secret Service, but I wasn't. And I actually quite enjoy Diamonds Are Forever in many ways. Uh, but Quantum of Solace, just all of the promise of Casino Royale down the drain. Um, I, I will, I mean, though I don't remember it uh, or them that well, include I Know The Day and The World Is Not Enough down there. Uh, but I did not rewatch them for this podcast, so I can't be absolutely sure. And I would actually add uh, For Your Eyes Only, which is ironically Moore's most serious film, but it's still so hilly. Like, it, you took away the comedy, like the overt comedy, but plot elements are as ridiculous as before. Uh, it is just, it, it just did not work for me in any way. And if I remember correctly, that's the one that had the Thatcher standing at the end comedy stuff as well. So yeah, that, that, that's just, I mean, it's not terrible, but, uh, but definitely one of the weakest. Yeah, not much to add, but I wanted to say, yeah, I agree on. The Bond girl in a beauty kill is just absolutely atrocious. I mean, Lauren says all Bond girls are bad, and I get it. You know, they're not always developed much. But pretty much every time she spoke, she was shrieking or just... it was. She was so noticeably bad that it detracted from the film, whereas most of the time they can be mediocre, and it doesn't make much difference. 
Yeah, very, very true. Like that, that's one of those that says stand out bad. Even Grace Jones, like she was so, I mean, I know Grace Jones is still alive and apologies to Grace Jones, but like she was so over the top as well. Even Christopher Walken didn't work in that movie. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> to bring the episode along and to step away from the films themselves a little bit. I have been listening to all of the uh, Bond scores on the um, uh, Spotify playlist. I know a lot of you guys have as well, or just uh, caught them when you were rewatching the films. Uh, what are your favorite uh, Bond scores? The three of us in the chat were actually talking about how we all liked Grace Jones in the film and said she was one of the most brightest and most interesting parts of it. So maybe not a great Bond girl, but definitely had quite a bit of charisma and was definitely one of the most interesting and memorable parts of the film. Aside from the Duran Duran theme song, which I actually like quite a bit. Yes, and thanks for getting us back on track, because yes, despite being uh, the worst film for me, A View to a Kill is probably one of the best Bond songs uh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> definitely top five. I'm not sh- like it's difficult to select them. I mean, they often, often the best songs aren't in the best films, like Diamonds Are Forever is a uh, pretty good song, Live and Let Die by Wings, uh, obviously Paul McCartney, that, that's a great song, I'm not the big fan of Live and Let Die. <laughs> so, uh, ironic or interestingly enough, my the best song of the franchise for me is probably uh, You Know My Name from Casino Royale. And I don't, I don't really listen to Chris Conn, I don't know what else uh, he's done, uh, but that song just really fit and worked for me. So I agree with you that some of the best songs are in some of the weaker films. Yeah, for A View to a Kill is a good example. Living That Die is a good example. Uh, what's really interesting about that is the uh, song was actually used much better to much greater effect in American Hustle. There's an amazing scene in American Hustle with Jennifer Lawrence listening to that tune. They've got all these cutaways to different other things going on outside of where she's listening to it. And it's just used amazingly in that film. and it's not quite put to all its use in Live and Let Die. Uh, in terms of my own favorite theme song, I think it's um, Nobody Does It Better from Spy Who Loved Me is probably my favorite theme song. Uh, the Goldfinger one's quite iconic also, and a lot of them are quite iconic, but probably in terms of the uh, best and most memorable melody, I probably do have to go with the tune from The Spy Who Loved Me, which is interestingly one of those few tunes which doesn't have the same title as the film, or at least in the earlier films, a lot of them, the songs are the same title as the movie they were in. Uh, and uh, yeah, I agree with you that nobody does it better. It's probably one of the best ones uh, as well. Uh, what about the you, Lauren? I see that you decided you only really like two of the, of the scores. Yeah, so I, I didn't make a ranking of the songs, um, but when I watched the films, I just tried to take note if I liked any of the songs, um, but I didn't. So I only liked the two songs that I already liked before watching the James Bond films, uh, which is Live and Let Die and The Living Daylights, because I like Paul McCartney and I like Uh Aha. So yeah, they're the only two that I remember, the only two that I liked. I found all the other songs pretty bad. Um, I think The Die Another Day was the absolute worst one, because that's just the worst type of music. Otherwise, yeah, I I don't actually remember any of the others. No problem, Lauren, and uh, I think a lot of us will agree on that another day. No, a little bit catchy, it's just really, really, really off. <laughs> and what about you, Adam? What is uh, your favorite scores from the series? Well, I think I said it earlier, but my favorite music is from Honor Majesty's Secret Service. 
like the instrumental music i think that's yeah i think that has the most atmosphere it's the best music it doesn't rely on lyrics or anything it just adds a lot to the film i didn't i wish i'd made a playlist and listened to all the films for a few days i listened to all the songs for a few days but i didn't i don't know how much i can add i mean obviously goldfinger diamonds are forever are iconic i actually like skyfall i mean i'm certainly not someone that would listen to Adele normally but I even think I think Skyfall is really yeah, good yeah it was good it was good definitely yeah and maybe this says what I think of them but there's a whole bunch of them that I can't really remember that well but yeah Honor Magic Secret Service is for me the best music and even you know we have all the time in the world and that I just think that's got the best oh yeah alongside, and then I would probably have I mean Goldfinger is an obvious choice but it's probably my second second one but yeah i'd like to listen to them all again and make a proper proper list but it is interesting that something like demons are forever which is a pretty i think if you ask people who aren't big bond films they kind of assume demons are forever is one of the best because they think of the theme tune so sometimes the legacy of a film i think is brought up a little bit by having such an iconic and memorable theme tune like demons are forever but yeah i i, I didn't really I don't know a lot of them well enough without listening again to add much more to this discussion. I think, I mean, like GoldenEye's got a decent theme tune as well, actually. Not the best, but I think it's decent. I personally thought that, while it's not a bad song, I thought that the song to No Time to Die didn't really fit Bond that well. <laughs> um, and I think we can enter into the discussion of just what actually happened in No Time to Die. If you haven't seen the film, you might want to stop listening now but as you may want listening to this already has because that film ended in a way that no other Bond film ever had. James Bond dies. He uh, he just stands at the top of an island as these warheads approach. <laughs> it's also a film where again he has a wife or girlfriend and a daughter. Uh, it, it, like Adam said, it moves away from Bond quite a bit, and then it's over, he dies. And obviously this means that the series will do a complete reset again. What do you guys actually think of the ending? I know Lawrence said it's the worst ending <laughs> in the Bond franchise, more or less, already. And uh, where do you actually think the franchise should go next? Right. First of all, I just wanted to say about No Time to Die that it, it kind of, for me, is I, I barely even consider it a Bond film. It's moved so far away from what the Bond franchise is. I think it's not a terrible film if it wasn't a Bond film, but for me it's just, it's like a big blockbuster that kind of goes on forever and it, it barely relates to Bond at all. And Bond is practically unrecognizable from before. The, the ridiculous romance from Spectre has continued. The ending's rubbish. I think there's a lot of... It's not the worst Bond film, but for me it's really weak and it's just... I, it makes me really worry about... Not like to the point that I'm like up at night, you know, not being able to sleep worrying about it, but um, <laughs> I worry about the future of Bond series based on No Time to Die because if that's the type of films they're making, you know, I'd rather watch like Marvel or something who are going to do it better. I just think it, it went way too blockbustery and it went way too far away from... Well, Bond was always blockbusters, but this was a different kind of blockbuster, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> Very different kind. Even though, like, earlier on, I said, like, I said, um, on, like, films that aren't like Bond are the films I like the most. This one just went in the direction that 
if the Bond films are going to continue at No Time to Die, I, I, I would barely even watch them because the Bond films have something a bit different to them. They've been going on for so many decades that even though they are like kind of blockbuster in terms of appeal, in terms of how many people are watching them, they still retain elements from like historical elements from the series. And I just think No, no Time to Die completely obliterated all the parts that make Bond interesting and different. And it just became a generic blockbuster. And if that's the direction they're going in, I'd rather watch blockbusters that are well better made. <laughs> but for me, like sorry, the the weaker Bond films, at least they're part of the Bond series, and they've got those kind of they've got something that makes them interesting. For me, it's just a a pretty mediocre blockbuster that's barely a Bond film. And yeah, it, it gave a bad taste for me the last couple of Craig films, and it makes me think. I really hope they try to do some sort of big change in style when they when they do the next Bond. Yeah, I would assume they do. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later. Uh, I, I do partially agree with you at the very least. I mean, I like the movie more than you for sure. I think that the opening action, action scene is great. And I actually thought the ending, well, it just, I don't I think they made the wrong choice for the franchise, uh, especially the final scenes uh, after he dies. Uh, those are really off. It, 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 I did actually have a bit of an emotional payoff uh, for me in some ways. So I, I don't think it was a terrible, terrible ending. I just don't think it fit. And I agree that it didn't feel, feel like a Bond film. Uh, though, like you said earlier, that can be a good and a bad thing. I mean, Skyfall pretty much obliterated everything that's about Bond that's Bond as well. I mean, he didn't re- like the last 70 minutes didn't have a Bond girl in it. And it's about his relationship uh, with M, and it's really emotional. So I think you can go very far away from Bond and make it great, and you can go very far away from Bond and make it more uh, mediocre, a bit more too similar to the big uh, regular blockbusters. So there's a lot of ways to go away from Bond, and uh, No Time Today probably wasn't really it, though. I I still enjoyed most of it, uh, to one extent or another. Uh, what about uh, you, Lauren, since you thought it was the worst of all? Like, what was your feelings about the ending? Yeah, I, I really hate the trope in films where there's a guy, a woman, and a child who's, like, usually his, and he sacrifices himself to save them. Um, I just I hate that trope so much, and that really just made me really angry. And it just was out of place in a Bond film. I didn't feel true to his character. I like, and also because I wasn't convinced with his relationship to these people. Like, he didn't even know the kid. Like, I don't care. I don't care about these people. Why does he care about these people? I haven't seen that. So that annoyed me. Um, I'm also, even though I like Craig and I like, I have two of his films as my top favorites, I actually didn't really like the change in making the Bond films have like a, a running thread because. All the other ones just, you know, they're kind of like a sitcom episode where every episode, everything can reset and you can do something new. And, um, it, you know, it makes sense. It's okay if you change the actor or, you know, you change some of the law. But the Craig films tried to, like, present this, you know, like James Bond is an actual person and here's his history. And I felt it didn't really work for that for that series, well, for the series and for that character. Mm-hmm. And and also I felt, like, uh, confused with the Craig films because some of them sort of suggested that James Bond is just a code name and then some were like, no, James Bond is an actual dude, you know, like Skyfall with his parents' graves and the whole thing with Blofeld or whatever. So, yeah, the ending just kind of left me with, like, I don't even know what they're planning to do next. And I'm not that invested with the series, but it just kind of... 
it almost just opens it up for them to do like absolutely anything, which is kind of a concern. If you want the consistency of the Bond films, you know, people go to see a Bond film, they want to see a Bond film, not potentially whatever they want to do now that they've like officially killed him off. Unless, you know, he's got a secret twin and uh, clones and whatever else. I, I mean, to, to be fair, Brosnan is meant to be, like it, it, in the original series, Brosnan is kind of meant to be Sean Connery. So I'm not sure how much facial surgery and uh, good exercise uh, had to be in place for, you know, uh, a 70-year-old, uh, I guess 78-year-old man at that point <laughs> to be running around. I wasn't a particularly big fan of the ending of No Time to Die either. And I agree with much of what has been said already, but I guess the biggest thing for me is that the ending felt like it was there and he needed to be exploded in some way that he couldn't come back just in order to finally put his run as Bond to uh, bed. Because I think for quite a while, I think it might have even been before Spectre was coming out, he'd already announced his plans to retire and he wanted to get out of the role. And I guess for me, it just felt like a film that was written around making sure that there was no chance of Daniel Craig possibly ever coming back. And it just felt a bit weird because, like Adam said, a lot of it's not really like a Bond film. He's not part of the organization. He's coming in. Um, he's had his like, own personal private life, and then he's coming back in. And then, like Lauren said, we don't even get to know his child that well or what's going on with his background drama. So it is a very strange Bond entry, and for a Bond entry, it's got one of the weakest villains imaginable. I mean, Rami Malek has done some great work, and I'm not thinking about him, he Rhapsody. I'm thinking of things like Short Term 12. He has done some great work as an actor, but uh, yeah, his performance and his monotone line delivery was just yeah, really uninteresting, and it's sort of the antithesis of the Connery Bond films, which are all about the big lairs and megalomanic uh, villains who are very charismatic and over the top. So, yeah, if it is the end of the franchise, it is a disappointing end. I did sort of like the film, but it's a bit hard to judge because I watched it in cinemas, and when you're watching in cinema compared to on home video, it, it's hard to really compare and contrast. I mean, I like Spectrum all the first time around when I saw it in cinemas, but upon rewatch, I agree with pretty much the consensus on it that it is a weaker Bond film. So I understand why the ending's in there, but for me, it was just too heavily foreshadowed and just felt yeah. like a choice, which was made because Connery probably put in the contract, not Connery, <laughs> Craig put it into the contract that I want no possible way that I can possibly come back. So <laughs> just until we know. <laughs> everyone else has quit. He didn't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that's, that's what I, I would think also. He doesn't have to do it because it does, like, kill off the character. So unless we get a sequel where he's coming back as a ghost and we get a horror <laughs> turn on the franchise yeah. or... Maybe that's what we actually need for the franchise to get back up and running. Cool to get like, yeah. Or or it's James Bond's daughter in the future. Like It's taken so long uh, to get the next Bond film now that she's uh, probably an adult uh, very soon. 
in, in some ways, it's fi- it's kind of fine to kill Bond in, in this way because Daniel Craig, for all of their reset, like Daniel Craig's James Bond is not Sean Connery's Bond. It's just a, it, like it restarted it, it becomes the double O in Casino Royale. So it, it is just like a standalone series of five films, uh, kind of, and they come back uh, with a different kind of Bond. It works. It's like Spider-Man, which has been rebooted so many times. So it works. I mean, I think the only thing that really annoys me with Spectre and No Time to Die, because like compared to Roger Moore, I would say that both of these films are on par or better than the Roger Moore films. What really annoys me is that Skyfall kind of set, sets everything up for a new normal. Like we have Monday Penny back in the office, everything kind of set up. To, okay, we're going to go back to serialized Bond in some way. And then we just get this kind of two films that's back to back, very different from the rest. It's interesting that they went that direction. It's interesting that they killed him off. It's yeah, I kind of see Daniel Craig's run as a separate run from the others. Like it's almost not the same franchise. So let's see what happens. And I, that's my last question, really. Where do we want the franchise to go? And who? Well, actually, it's two questions. Who should replace Craig? I think it's like, you know, like a a continuous series where there's a film coming out every few years and you kind of know what you're in for. I think it's, you know, it's not that terrible to have something like that, but I feel like it should go back to being not a continuous series like the the Craig run. I just think it works better as as standalone films. And, And yeah, instead of trying to do that, I don't know, it just didn't really work for me. I agree with Lauren 100%. Yeah, I, I think the Craig ones were let down by the continuity. I don't think there's enough character development in the series for it to really work like that. So I think they should move back to kind of more standalone stuff. I think some of my favorite films have romance. So like Honor Majesty's Secret Service and Casino Royale are elevated by the romance. One of the downfalls of Spectre and No Time to Die was the randomly chucked in romance that didn't work. So I think with Bond, they need to kind of move away from that a little bit. Romance works in Bond when you put it in every every few films. They need to move away from the ra- random romances like with Craig. They need to move away from the continuity. They need to move away from... I, I want a more Bond kind of like next film because I think No Time to Die was nothing like Bond. Honestly, I find it difficult to answer. I feel like they've kind of run out of steam at the moment a little bit. They did a reboot. You know, Brosnan ran out of steam, so they did a reboot. It worked well for a couple of films, then it got weaker. Where do you go next? You can't keep doing a reboot. Do they... Ah, have you seen Spider-Man? Uh, the last Spider-Man I watched was like 2000 and something, you know, so... Uh, I've avoided... I, I, I don't watch a lot of those films, so actually... I don't know why. What, what, what happens in Spider-Man <laughs> that they could do in Bond? The reboot. <laughs> um, can, they, can they do a reboot every act? Can every actor be a reboot? You know, because they did that with Craig. Can yeah? I mean, I think you don't need to. I mean, now you have to. Now you absolutely. Well, you don't necessarily do have to make it obvious that it's a reboot. Like they can just pretty much start with James Bond being James Bond. They don't have to have him become James yeah. Bond again. But yeah, like no matter what to do, it has to be a reboot because uh, Craig's James Bond is dead. I think a lot of the stuff that made Bond great originally is very dated. No, and that's the challenge. Like the Sean Connery, the early Bond films where you're sleeping with a woman every five minutes is kind of, you know, it used to be that Bond slept with every woman he met. And it's kind of a lot of the stuff that used to make it good is dated and doesn't work now. So you're you're trying to update it for a new audience without losing what made it good. 
And I think with no time to die, they they tried to update it and they lost or made it good. So I don't know. I think mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm kind of open to them trying something totally different. To be honest, like um, I I don't know. That's the, my answer is no idea. I actually okay. think I think this is a more difficult position with where do you go next than than it normally is. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of that sex positivity now. So maybe a bomb can be a feminist icon who sleeps with a lot of women. You know, <laughs> he's just uh, respectful to women who like sex. <laughs> but uh, I actually have some ideas of where I would like bomb to to go. Uh, but I think Saul should answer first. Well, I wrote this in the chat as a joke, but I've been thinking about it over the last few minutes. I think it actually might be good. I wrote down there that Bond needs to come out of the closet. And it actually might be a really interesting turn of events and a bit of a twist in the story if he actually was gay. Because you think about it, you've got him facing off with all these villains, you've got all this weaponry pointed at each other, and you could have a bit of subtext into there. Uh, I think it actually could be an incredibly interesting turn for the series to have um, a gay Bond in there. I mean, yes, um, Adam wrote in the chat that, you know, it would piss off the right wing. So depending who's funding the project, it might not be easy to get off the ground, but uh, I think it would be incredibly interesting. But in terms of where the series should go overall, I would like to see a bit more comedy brought back, not the Roger Moore 80s films level comedy and not Moonraker level comedy, but a bit more comedy, a bit less dark, depressing, vulnerable Bond I think we've seen it a few too many times now. And like I said before, you know, it's sort of like what the whole Craig era was about, that Bond was dark and vulnerable. I mean, I'd like to see a sort of Pierce Brosnan, I guess, because I grew up with him. I'd like to see a Brosnan or a Dalton type of uh, Bond in there. Uh, and yes, if he was gay, I think it would make a lot more interesting also. Yeah, you could have a Bond and Felix Leiter romance, potentially. Or I kind of like the idea of a gay bond, partly just to piss off people and see all the negative comments. But um, yeah, something like that actually is quite interesting. So, what so Adam the, and Saul are just trolls who wants to piss people off. <laughs> no, I, I actually think so. Makes a good point that it would take bond and it would take the series in a different direction. I mean, maybe they can claim the whole way through he's been gay and that, and he's just been like overcompensating by sleeping with like seven million women. <laughs> I mean, they've been teasing it for a couple of times. Like you had that semi-seduction scene with uh, Silva in Skyfall as well. So you never know. <laughs> what about Bond as a woman? Female Bond next? Well, I, I think it would change the series uh, almost too much. I mean, I, I don't mind. I don't mind, but uh, it's not really uh, what Bond is. I mean, in some ways, the 007 uh, thing is quite interesting in itself. So I would like. One of the better parts of uh, Die Another Day was the female 007 that replaced him uh, for a portion of the film. I mean, she, she, she was really good. And obviously there's lots of 00 agents, so if they either followed her or if they uh, added uh, some new 007 agents to follow someone who wasn't James Bond, that could be interesting to explore. But I'm not sure if I would like to see James Bond as a woman. Yeah, actually, I mean, I wasn't, I don't actually want that, but I think what would work maybe is having a strong female character like they've done in some previous films, rather than being just a love interest, you could have a strong female character. Yeah, Lauren says, like, Judy Dench. I mean, for me as well, Judy, like, the Daniel Craig era lost a lot when when Judy Dench left the series. I think that brought everything down a lot. But having another strong female character who's not just there as a love interest, 
I think that enhances, I think that could enhance Bond. You need another Judy Dench type person, I think. You could even have a 008 or whatever who, who's a female, but yeah. Mm, I mean, yeah, 008 is someone that I've been wanting to see forever because 008 always gets mentioned as being better than Bond. <laughs> like every time Bond screws something up, like his superiors go like, oh, we have to send in 008 now. <laughs> yeah, that's how I think it could work, though. You know, you have a 008, you have someone like that who's a strong character rather than replacing Bond. Yeah, I mean, like, as even a show, like, I mean, Star Wars and stuff does things with, uh, like, outside of the universe, so, uh, sort of outside of the main characters in the same universe, so, I mean, you could easily do something on the other double O's, and that could be interesting, but, yeah, no, I think Bond should stay more or less <laughs> as he is when they, uh, when they bring him back. Uh, what, what do you guys think about, the, because there's been some suggestions, obviously, casting uh, Bond as someone who is not, not white, uh, or what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't see why not. I think uh, I don't. I don't see any reason at all why Bond has to be white. I think. Um, I think it's. I mean, it is an Australian, so why not? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think uh, I don't. I don't see any real controversy at all with the race. I don't think that. I think it could be any race. I don't think that should matter. Yeah, and I mean, I have heard that Rene Dion Page is uh, one of the top choices. Uh, he he could fit for sure. And obviously people have been suggesting Idris Elba forever, though I think he's too old now. And I think he also said he wasn't interested. With that note, I think I might bring up the final question, because we're already there. I mean, who do you guys want to actually see as the next one? Do you have anyone in mind? And uh, what do you think of the top candidates? So, like, if, if like obviously people are mentioning Tom Hardy and Idris Elba for the longest time, but in terms of the bookmakers, you have Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Henry Cavill, uh, Rene John Page... Uh, someone called James Norton, who I don't really know that well. So, like, if, who would you like to see as uh, the next James Bond? On a less serious note, how about you bring back George Lazenby and you have a retired Bond coming oh, back for one? Yeah, no, I actually been thinking about this for the longest time. I probably wouldn't. I think George Lazenby might be too old now, but I, I, I've been thinking about how they did, uh, you know, old Wolverine with Hugh Jackman. Like they could definitely bring back uh, Pierce Brosnan because he's in his seventies now and he's still doing action films and stuff. I think that, you know, if they just uh, continued his uh, character, did like either maybe just a standalone big big film where you've got a great director and good screenwriters, I would love to see that. I think that could easily be one of the best ones. And that's a different direction. It could be like a one-off film and Kate Bond in a very different direction without losing what it's about. Yeah, I think that's cool. I don't really have any strong opinions on who the next Bond should be. I mean, I'd be happy to have Brosnan back because uh, he is an awesome actor. I'm not sure if Timothy Dalton is still with us, but if he is, you know, it'd be it'd be awesome to have him back also. Because... Oh, oh, he is as well, yes. Okay, because we never got that third Dalton film, so it'd be it'd be wonderful to have him back or have Brosnan back as maybe an older Bond, maybe possibly mentoring a younger colleague. I think that'd be a very interesting turn of events. Uh, in terms of younger people would take Bond on, I mean, I guess the one that springs to mind is Taron Egerton because of the Kingsman series. He sort of plays a Bond-like character in that. But I don't really have any big opinions about who the next Bond person should be. Uh, I'm not going to talk about, yeah, any of the race stuff or whatever because I don't want to seem bigoted. But... uh there's a few things in there where if you like change the actor or whatever, you're sort of changing, you're sort of rewriting the character quite a bit. 
and then if you run a new character that much, or how much are you actually resetting the series altogether? It's an interesting rabbit hole, but not one I want to go down at the moment. So, note to all of the Bond producers, please get Pierce Brosnan back, do a standalone movie or even a new series, uh, <laughs> just get the right people involved and get it done. Or Dalton. That, that's something we really, really have to see. Um, what about you, Lauren? Do you have any picks for younger actors? I don't even know who's like popular and active these days. Um, <laughs> all, all the actors mentioned, I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of bringing back an old Bond, to be honest, but I mean, it could be interesting. Um, but all the other actors mentioned before, like Tom Hardy and whatever, like, ugh, nah, boring. Um, I, I kind of like the idea of, no, I just, I don't like him, but, uh, but they all just, it's like, they all just feel like another Bond. I kind of would like, I don't want a female Bond because I, I want, like, if they want a female secret agent series, then they should have their own one and don't just, like, you know, shoehorn that in. And I think, like, Bond's thing is is masculinity. Um, but I would like to see something different. Like, I don't need this, like, suave – like, we were talking before in the chat about how, like, you know, or, and Adam mentioned as well that, what was cool and what made Bond cool in the 60s is not what makes Bond cool now. So I think, um, you know, just a different kind of guy, different kind. Like if, if, if Bond is dead and we're having just another 007, then that opens it up that it can be anybody. If they want to bring Bond back as something else, well, they kind of still open that up. I, I just, I don't know enough about who's like, like young actors or whatever these days are just, I don't know. But yeah, I'd, I'd just like to see someone who's not that like, you know, steely eyed, pursed lips sort of action guy thing. I just, I don't find that very interesting. So mm. that, that's, I don't have any specific actors in mind though. Yeah, I get that point. I mean, uh, so I mentioned Aaron Egerton and uh, yeah, he'd fit Bond really well. I just, I'm just not sure if he'd be that exciting as Bond. I think he'd be, more of the same and for a long time i was hoping henry cavill would take over i think he would have been he, i mean he was a second choice uh against craig all the way back then i think he'd be a very good bond i just but he would also be a bit more of the same I and mean, if they get henry cavill no problem uh, i think he'd be a good pick but uh, it's pretty much just returning to brosnan maybe maybe that's what we want uh, i mean he was excellent in the man from uncle uh and then when i saw that thought oh yeah this guy should be bond so who knows I would actually uh, go with the front runner right now, which is Aaron Taylor Johnson. I, I know that they, he did a screen test for uh, Barbara Broccoli already, and she really liked him apparently. So he has good options. Uh, people are saying that he's a bit too busy though. So let, let's see. But yeah, I think he can take it into a more comedic direction, which is what's very much needed from the franchise now. Probably, I think he we could get like a more. Not, I don't want more, more, but I think he could go back to either do something similar to, I'm not going to even say Bros. I think he could do something new, honestly. I think he could uh, take the franchise into some fresh air with uh, high intensity comedy. Uh, and I think that would work really, really well. I mean, people who have seen him in Bullet Train, for instance, knows how well he can spit off lines and uh, handle the action. So th that's definitely a, uh, uh, a very good option. I did say it as a joke in the chat, but, uh, I was saying, what about Daniel Radcliffe? It would be quite interesting if Harry Potter became Bond. But I am quite happy with the stuff that Daniel Radcliffe's been doing of late. Like films like Guns Akimbo are really interesting in itself and really removing him from the Harry Potter role. But 
he would make an interesting Bond casting choice. I would say that much. Mm. Definitely. I mean, I don't think he'd stand out that much as Bond, but I, I, I have nothing against it. I, mean, I, I looked up the picture of him now we were talking about after he posted it in uh, Tuxedo, and yeah, he actually does look the role more than I thought, so who knows? Uh, I mean, I guess uh, an actor who's probably never be interested and is not even in the conversation, uh, but if they want to continue the dark road of uh, Daniel Craig. I mean, they could get Robert Pattinson, but uh, yeah, I don't think they should do that. I think they should go in a very different direction now. I'll probably get, get his name uh, completely wrong, but I was just thinking about it a little more and I was thinking that um, <laughs> Simu Liu uh, would actually be a pretty cool Bond, especially one that's a little bit goofy. I actually thought he was really, really good in Barbie and I liked him in Shang-Chi as well actually, but his can, <laughs> I feel like makes me think he would be like a really fun bond i didn't think of him at all but i could actually see that yes it's true it's true uh, uh, yeah I, I wouldn't necessarily have any objections to that <laughs> he's not he's not british though i mean usually but they got an australian so why not <laughs> but that would also open us up to all of the american actors out there there's i think there's a lot of all the potential options then too but but yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. So it seems like all of us agree that Bond should move into a more serialized uh, setting again, return a little bit more to its roots, while also adjusting what makes Bond cool to today's standards, changing it up a little bit, be that a gay Bond or uh, a Bond that doesn't sleep around as much as the Bond that acts a little bit differently. And most of us seem to also want uh, a more... Honey Bond, despite all of us thinking, or most of us thinking, Roger Moore is down towards the bottom of the list as as the silliest Bond, of course. But it seems like we kind of all we're all on the same page that we've done a relatively dark period of Bond. Now we are ready for something more fun, and yeah, that's we have notes for the producers. Oh, and please bring back Pierce Brosnan or. Uh, Timothy Dalton as Bond for an old Bond film that we all so desperately need. Yeah, I just wanted to add. I think bringing in a young Bond is 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 important because by the end, you know, Craig was wasn't very young. He wasn't that young at the start. I think that might bring a little bit of freshness to the role and make it a little bit less dark. Just someone with, who's a bit more young and has some more energy and isn't like in his fifties, basically. Yeah, I mean, Sean Connery was in his early 30s, I think he was 31 when he was Bond, and George Lastenby was 29, and suddenly everyone started to be in their 40s when they took on the role. And uh, yeah, we should definitely go back to a younger Bond. And others, uh, there's young Bond novels as well from before he became an agent. I haven't read any of that. I don't know if it's any good. I wouldn't mind something like that, but that's a very different, uh, <laughs> that's a very different series <laughs> for sure. So Barbara Broccoli, please take our uh, notes on board. Uh, please don't be offended, George Lustenby. We love you. And uh, thank you so much uh, for listening. Join us again soon. You have been listening to Talking Images, the official podcast of ICMforum.com.